you have your Bibles, we are in John chapter 5, and I encourage you to join me there in John chapter 5, and we are going to walk through verses 25 through 29, and uh, walking through and really seeing a theme this morning of preparing for forever. And um, I'm thinking that all of us, even now, um, we're all preparing for something uh, and it can obviously look a million different ways. We're all preparing for different things. This uh, actually last night I drove back in from northern Arkansas. Uh, our men's ministry did a men's retreat up in northern Arkansas and and some fished and some golfed. And and so even in that, there was some preparation. So like um, if you're going fishing, get a whole bunch of hooks and a whole bunch of bait because you might want to prepare uh, getting hung up a lot or, or uh, losing a lot or maybe catching a lot of fish, right? Or if you're a golfer, uh, going and just getting extra golf balls, you know, just in case you lose a lot. Or even as we get close to the weekend last week, we're looking at the weather. Is it going to rain? Is it going to rain us out? Or is it going to be, you know, what's it going to be like? So you're preparing all along the way. And I just, just throw it out there uh, to our fellows in the room. If you're into fishing, golfing, or just eating good food, uh, I encourage you next year. It's going to be a great, a great time. But we prepare for all kinds of things. Students are preparing for school to be out, right? Is that happening? I think that's coming up. We prepare for school. We prepare for graduations. We prepare for doctor's appointments. We prepare for events. We prepare for occasions. We prepare for braces. We, uh, we prepare for lunch. So we prepare for supper. Like there is always no shortage of things we are preparing for. And, and most of the times, at least it seems like in, in my life, most of the things that we are preparing for are either something that's going to happen later today, or there's something that's going to happen sometime tomorrow, or there's something that's going to happen this week, or something that's going to happen in the next two weeks. It might be something that's going to happen in the month. It might be something that's going to happen in the year. It might be something that's going to be a couple years out, but most of the things that we find ourselves preparing for and getting ready for oftentimes are those things that are almost right in front of our eyes. And what Jesus is going to challenge us through his word today is that as we live our lives today, yes, there are things that we are wise to prepare for in the here and now, but Jesus is going to help challenge us and remind us that we would prepare for forever that we would look beyond the next month and the next even couple years, at least as far as we can see, and we would honestly see 10,000 years from now. And so what does it look like to prepare for forever? And in the word today, we are gonna see this Christ speaking to those Jewish leaders there in John chapter five with this main idea of, listening to his voice today, listening to Christ today, because he alone has the power to give everlasting life. He's the only one. He's the only way to have life and life to the full. Now, I'm going to be honest. I, like I was talking to my bride even yesterday evening, getting in, getting in from the trip and, and just talking like, what, what are the things that stir us or motivate us to think about forever, to think about eternity, to live in light of eternity? And, and we kind of agree there's kind of three things, but we're going to see a fourth thing in the text today. Uh, four things that really make us look toward eternity. One is, I think, honestly, just growing older. Like 
gaining another year of life, as we get older, we begin to see things differently, maybe look through different perspective. And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm headed towards 44 uh, very soon, but I'll be honest, as a 43, I honestly believe I have thought more about eternity this year than perhaps many years stacked together. And it's just, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I think as, as we grow with each year, we begin to think a little bit more about eternity. A second thing that I think stirs us to think about eternity is uh, when we lose someone we love. When we lose someone physically through death, their, their physical presence no longer with us, whether it's a family member, whether it is a, a close friend, whether it's a coworker, or, or even just uh, someone we know, when we hear about death or loss, it, it, it hits us different. And, and it's in those times, or even going to a funeral, and we, we hear and we listen and we think more about eternity and, 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 and what's ahead. We, I, I think another thing my, my wife shared this is it seems like when we might endure or go through hardship or suffering, now that's another time where our, our hearts are maybe more in tune to, to forever, to eternity. Because you think about whether it's suffering or trial or tribulation or pain, when you're walking through these things, especially as a believer, you think ahead to eternity when the Bible teaches us that there will be a day when there will be no more pain and no more suffering and no more tears. I mean, think about that for a moment. When all those things are no longer... And so we have these, whether it's our, our, our age or whether it's our experience, trials, sufferings, or whether it's losing someone we love, it causes us to think about eternity and think about forever. And, and Jesus is going to challenge the Jewish leaders in our text today to think about forever. And I would just say for the next little bit, if we can do that together, just for the next little bit, let's think about forever as we hear the words of Jesus, a little context before we jump right into John 5. Uh, this happens to be, uh, we're, we're, as I like to say, we're parachuting in on, a, on an event that's already taking place. And so just a little bit of context. Uh, John chapter 5 tells us about an incredible, miraculous event. And this was the day that Jesus went into Jerusalem. He went to a specific place called the Pool of Bethesda. And it was as he was at the pool of Bethesda that he saw a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years of his life. That for 38 years of his life, this man had gone to this pool and that people day after day would just step over him. Like his, his, his everyday experience was the inability to move and people stepping over him day after day after day. And Jesus Christ, he brought complete and instant healing to this man at the pool of Bethesda. And I love how Jesus heals. He doesn't give a 10-day plan or take some medicine and, and, and see me again in two weeks. No, every healing that he performs is instant and it's total and it's complete every single time. And so Jesus could have healed this man on a Monday. He could have healed him on a Tuesday. He could have healed him on a Thursday. But Jesus is intentional with everything that he does, purposeful in his mission in everything he does. And so he heals this man on what is known as the Sabbath day. The Sabbath would be the day of rest 
for Jews and that Jewish culture there, this would be a day that would be set apart for rest. And for the Jews observing Sabbath, that would take place from sundown on Friday to sundown on, excuse me, sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And it was no coincidence that Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath, on the day of rest. And so he looked at this man and the Bible teaches us that he told the man to rise up, take up your mat and walk. And in obedience to the voice of the Lord and to the word of the Lord, this man for the first time in almost four decades stood to his feet. And he took up his mat just like Jesus told him to. And he began to walk. And when he took up his mat, the Jewish leaders were there. And when they saw what happened, they did not rejoice that this man who had been paralyzed for almost four decades was walking. They didn't rejoice. They rebuked him. They rebuked him because you can't carry on the Sabbath. It's against the rules. That was against the 39 categories of man-made rules that the Jewish leaders made that God did not give but the Jewish leaders created and you can't carry and that's work. And they rebuked him. And so again, when we see a miracle take place, there are two purposes. Number one, the purpose is there is a physical need that is met and Jesus meets a physical need in the text as we see. But there's a second overarching purpose that is way bigger than the physical healing. And that is this. The miracle serves to prove that Jesus is God and that he is God in the flesh. And so Jesus is meeting this need on the Sabbath day. Now we're getting to verse 25, but again, a little more context. If you're in John 5 and you read verses 17 and 18, here's what the Bible says. Jesus answered these Jewish leaders and he said, my father is working until now and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And so again, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is revealing who he is to these Jewish leaders, to which I would say today he continues to reveal himself through the scriptures to us that he is revealing that he is God. God communicates who he is to us in the Bible. The Bible teaches us that there is one God and this one God, the one true God reveals himself to us in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, equal in essence, but yet distinct in their role within the Godhead. And so he is communicating over the next couple of verses, I and the Father are equal in power. I and the Father are equal in authority. I and the Father are equal in mission. I and the Father are equal in praise. You read through those texts and he is communicating, I am God. I and the Father are one. He's communicating that he has the power and the authority to give life. And the truth holds then and the truth holds today. Jesus is the only one who can give life and lasting life. Life. And that brings us to verse 25. And over the next couple verses, he's going to communicate this message in grace and care to these whose hearts were so hardened toward him. 
And he's communicating in grace and love who he is and this, this necessity of preparing for forever. And he's going to do that by talking about two resurrections. Two resurrections. He's going to talk about a spiritual resurrection that happens in the heart of every genuine believer. And he's going to talk about a physical resurrection that is coming, that all will experience. And so Jesus is going to communicate this truth to us. And in these first couple of verses, we are going to see that only those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord experience a spiritual resurrection. To as we walk through the text, I would just lay this question before us as we walk through. Could it be said of you that you have experienced a spiritual resurrection? And when I say that, I'm speaking of beginning a relationship, a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in verse 25, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, for the third time since John chapter 5 started, and if you have a red letter Bible, you see a lot of red. Jesus is beginning to teach these Jewish leaders and for the third time, he says, truly, truly, your translation may say verily, verily. Um, the, another translation would be amen, amen. What Jesus is saying is what I'm about to say is of utmost importance. What I'm about to say for those who have ears to hear, let him hear. What I'm about to say has eternal consequences to those who will listen. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. Now, for the Jewish people in this time, there was the, the, the anticipation of the Messiah was at an all-time high. Uh, many of us can relate with being uh, uh, anticipating or super excited for a major event to take place. Well, the Jewish people were anxiously awaiting the arrival of the Messiah, the one who would rescue them from the tyranny of Rome, the one who would rescue them and, and, and bring in kingdom and rule over Rome and other, 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 uh, other powers that, that were be. Um, the looking and the waiting for the Messiah was at a fever pitch, an all-time high. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says that the hour is coming and now is the hour. Now is the hour. Verse 25 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. When the, when the dead hear, what, what is this talking about? The time is now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Who are the dead? And Jesus is speaking to those who are spiritually dead. Those who are spiritually dead, it, it, would, be, it would be this, for, for those who are living life apart from a life-giving relationship with Jesus, if you were to check the spiritual pulse, there would be no pulse because they are spiritually dead. The opposite would be true of those who have a relationship with Jesus. You check the spiritual pulse and there is life because there's a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, the Bible often talks and describes unbelievers as those who are spiritually dead. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 13. 
He says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Paul would later write to the church in Ephesus and he's writing to the church. He's not writing to a building. He's writing to a people who have a relationship with Jesus. He says this in Ephesians chapter two, verse one, he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were, that is before you began a life giving relationship with Jesus. You were spiritually dead and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He goes on to say in Ephesians five, verse 14, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. John writes over in first John chapter three, verse 14, we know that we have passed from death into life. And so there is a spiritual transformation that takes place when you begin a relationship with Jesus and you pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. And he's the only one who can give it. Now I'm a child of the eighties and nineties. That was the, my time of growing up as a student, teenager, all of that. And maybe y'all may remember these t-shirts. I wanted one so bad. I never got one, but, but I just call them the rest is detail shirts. I don't know what they're called, but basically they would say something like basketball is life. The rest is just details or uh, baseball is life. The rest is just details or fishing is life. The rest is just details. Cheerleading is life. The rest is just details. Shopping is life. The rest is just details. Do you all remember those shirts? I see those head nods. Okay. I, I wanted one so bad because everybody had one, but me and I love me some basketball and, and, and I wanted everybody else to know that I love basketball. And I guess that's why people wear those shirts because they want them to know what they're about. And, and I think it's, it's, I think we all kind of like get the fact that that must be an important thing in their life. But I think we also realize that, that, that is not all there is to life. Because the, real, the realization is those things are great and those things are fun. Like basketball's fun, baseball's fun, fishing's fun. Um, shopping, I, I think, is fun. <laughs> so I hear, uh, like, that, that, I saw that head nod. I saw some of that. You know, it's like those things are fun. But I think we also know at the end of the day, you know what those things do? They never satisfy. You just want more. Like, it's not enough to satisfy because Jesus, why? Because Jesus is the only one who satisfies our deepest longing. He's the only one. Like it can be, we can be so convinced that as long as, if only I was in that relationship or if only I had a relationship with then or when this or when that, and we, we, in our, in our hearts, we think that there's something that we can have. There's think, we think there's the thing we can own. There think, we think there's a thing we can do. And that somehow if we think that, say that, or own that, or do that, we think that thing will give us life. But the reality is, is there is only one who can give life, and that is Jesus. He's the only one. And so he says in verse 25, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming. The hour is now. Now is here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. In other words, there will come a time when those who hear the good news about Jesus, the gospel about Jesus, that he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. When those who hear the good news will hear the voice of the son of God 
and will hear his voice. That word hear is not saying I hear noise. That word hear does not mean having an intellectual agreement with what's being said. Here is speaking to an effectual response to the voice of God. And this is what he's communicating. Remember who he's talking to? He's talking to a group of spiritually dead religious leaders. And he is communicating to them who he is and that there is life in him. And those who hear will live. Those who respond in faith and obedience to who Christ is will have life. And that is the beauty of what sometimes we say when a person is saved. It is a testimony of someone who moves from spiritual death to spiritual life. And he is communicating that those who hear the voice of the Son of God, those who hear will live, will have lasting, lasting life. Verse 26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Jesus, again, for like the upteenth time, is, is helping these Jewish leaders understand that he is God. He is equal in essence with the Father. Christ is the life giver. He is the power to give life. He's the only one who can. Even the disciple John who wrote this letter. If you go back to the start of John and you read John chapter 1 verse 4, John says, in him was life, speaking about Jesus. In him was life and the life was the light of man. So here's Jesus, he's come. He's come to give spiritual life to the spiritually dead. He's come to give spiritual light to those who are living in spiritual darkness. This is why he has come. And in verse 27, Jesus continues to speak about himself. And he says, and he has given him himself authority to execute judgment. And that would have rang through the ears of those Jewish listeners. Because only God is judge. And Jesus is communicating, I am God. And I am the judge. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Now this is, this is so important for us to here, this son of man, why does Jesus call himself the son of man? And it's interesting because this is the favorite title that Jesus gives himself in the scriptures, calling himself the son of man. And the fact that he is calling himself the son of man to the Jewish listeners, their minds and hearts would have immediately been like, hold on. He's saying he's the son of man. Why? Because Jesus is saying he's the fulfillment of what the Old Testament prophet Daniel had written about. They would have held the writings of Daniel the prophet in their hearts. Many of them memorizing that word, knowing the prophecy that was detailed out in, in, in the book of Daniel. And listen to what Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 and 14 says. Daniel in the Old Testament says this about the coming Messiah he says, I saw in verse 13, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the son of man, the son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and he was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom 
that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And Jesus is saying, the king has come. The Messiah is here. I am he. I am the son of man. I am the king. That I am the one who brings judgment. He is communicating who he is to those Jewish listeners. And again, he's communicating who he is to us today through his word. And so we see that only those who have a relationship with Jesus as Lord experience a spiritual resurrection, bringing from spiritual death to spiritual life. That's an under the surface, in the heart transformation that takes place. But then the Bible shows us that all people will experience a physical resurrection for eternity. Now, before I go any further, I just want to just further communicate the spiritual truth in scripture that to be for the believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. All right. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, he looked to the thief on the cross. And what did he say? Today, you shall be with me in paradise. And so as believers, our soul go to be with the Lord. But yet Jesus is going to teach them about a physical resurrection that is to come. Look at verse 28. He says, do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. <laughs> and I just want to read that one one more time through. Let's listen to what Jesus says. He says, do not marvel at this. Well, don't marvel at what? The fact that Jesus just brought physical healing to a man who had been paralyzed for almost four decades. Like, don't marvel at that. It's almost like, it's almost like that was nothing. <laughs> you have no idea what's coming. You have no idea what's coming. Don't marvel at this because the hour is coming. He says, when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out. So he just spoke about the spiritual resurrection that happens in a believer's life when we move from death to life in a relationship with him, but he's speaking of a bodily resurrection that is coming in the future and hours coming and they will obey his voice. I love, I love going to Genesis one, one in the beginning, God created. I love to hear that when God spoke, it happened. God speaks and it happens. God says, let there be light. And there was light. I speak to my dog and my dog doesn't listen, <laughs> but, but God speaks and stars are made. God speaks and the sun listens. In Joshua 10, you read about how the sun stood still because it obeys what Jesus says. I'm amazed at the voice of God as Jesus Christ, the son of God, God in the flesh, he speaks to wind and waves. And what do they do? They obey what he says. It's amazing. I think ahead over to John 10 and we're going to get there as we continue walking through the gospel of John. But after being in a tomb for four days, Jesus spoke to Lazarus and he came out. Like There's power in the voice and the word of Jesus. Jesus spoke to a man who had been 
paralyzed for 38 years. And he said, get up, take up your mat and walk. And the brother got up and took up his mat and started walking. The voice of the Lord is so powerful. It's so powerful. And there will be a day when there will be a bodily resurrection that will come. And so he's speaking in general of this bodily resurrection, but then he wraps up verse 29 by saying there will be two resurrections. One for those who have spiritual life, those who are spiritually alive and those who are spiritually dead. And so I wrap up by walking up through verse 29. I want to read it one more time. It says this, or let me back up to verse 28. Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. So there is a, 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 a bodily resurrection for the believers in the Lord Jesus where we will be fitted with a resurrection body. This is what the Bible teaches. If you, a note taker, if you write down 1 Corinthians 15, if you write that on the margin of your Bible or you write on your notes, I encourage you to go back, read that, because that speaks specifically even in greater detail about our resurrected bodies. They will be spiritual. They will be imperishable. They will be raised to glory and power. Paul talks about over in Philippians 3, how our resurrection bodies will be like his, like Christ. And so it speaks of those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus. He is no, no way communicating that somehow our salvation is based on our good works. Rather, good works are the fruit of a spiritually alive life. I love what Tony Evans says. He says, we're not saved by good works, but we're saved to good, do, do good works. That we live a life change as a result of having been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. I love Romans 8, 1, probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. It says this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To which I want to say for the believer, for those who have repented their sin and placed their faith and trust, here's the beauty. Our judgment has been, has been taken for us. Jesus took our judgment on the cross, lived a life we could never live, was crucified on a cross, shed his perfect blood to be the perfect atoning sacrifice for our sin against a holy God. And God poured out his wrath against sin. The judgment we deserve, he poured it out on his son. And so that those who are in Christ, those who are spiritually alive, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation, Listen, Christ took our judgment for us. Amen. He took it for us. He's forgiven us. He's granted us grace and his spirit to live within us and everlasting life with him. He took the judgment for us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I just want to share this because I feel like I have this conversation a good bit. And I think it's all good for us to be reminded about is, you know, Christ does not condemn those who are in Christ. But you know who does? the enemy. Condemnation is the enemy's specialty. Condemnation is that feeling that not only can I do nothing right, but I might as well just give up. And it's that feeling of being paralyzed. The enemy would love to steal, kill, and destroy as the Bible teaches. And so we can sniff out if there is this feeling of being paralyzed and feeling like a complete loser and feeling like you can't do anything right and you just feel like, what's the use? 
sniff it out. That is condemnation and that is not of God. But what is of God is conviction. Conviction breaks us over our sin, but always moves us forward towards freedom. You sniff it out. Does this paralyze me? Or does this move me forward in my relationship with God? Does this make me feel like, like, like I need to give up and just what's the use? Or do, does, does the conviction of the Holy Spirit move me forward towards freedom? Because that's what God does. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ took our judgment for us. And so there is a bodily resurrection that will come to those who are resurrected to life. But he finishes by saying, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So those who have a relationship with Jesus, our judgment has already taken place when God poured out his wrath on Christ on the cross and he shed his blood for us. But for all of those who have rejected and will reject the Lord, he communicates that those who have done evil will also be fitted for eternity and they will be fitted for eternal suffering apart from God. And I say this with all humility and, and just a heavy heart is that 10,000 years from now, we will find ourselves in one of two places and we will either be spending eternity in the presence of King Jesus in a resurrected body forever and ever and ever, or for those who have rejected him, will receive judgment and will be fitted for eternal suffering and will spend eternity in hell suffering in the lake of fire, which is exactly what the Bible teaches. And so we cannot glaze this over. And just for a little while, we do, we have to look beyond this week and we got to look beyond the next month and we got to look beyond the next two years and we have to look at eternity in view. And do you hear it? The voice of Jesus in his grace and in his mercy, he is revealing who he is to these spiritually dead Jewish rulers. And he is communicating that only in him is life and he ultimately is judged. And those who have relationship with him will be Resurrected that bodily resurrection to life and life forever. But those who are evil, those who have rejected for an eternal judgment. And so as we wrap up, I mentioned there are three things, three things that, that at least just in my testimony, my, my life that stir up that preparing for forever. The first one I mentioned is getting a little bit older. Honestly, I think a lot more about eternity than I did when when I first got saved as a 10 year old boy. And even a couple years ago, I feel like when we lose somebody close to us, somebody we love, somebody we care about, and they're no longer physically with us anymore, it, it, it hits hard, it hits home, and it causes us to think about eternity and even prepare for eternity. Think about those, I spoke with someone even just a, a little while ago and they just shared about the pain that they live with, the physical pain that they live with and how that, that physical pain encourages them of ultimately eternal life with the Lord when that pain is no longer gonna exist. But there is a fourth thing that I believe helps us live in light of eternity. And I believe every believer wants to, but it is by listening to the voice of the Lord that when we hear his voice 
And when I say hear his voice, I'm talking about opening up the word of God. The word of God is God's love letter to you. It's God's love letter to us. And when we read the pages of scripture, according to 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, when we are reading the word, we are reading the breath of God, the word of God to us, truth without any mixture of error. And as we expose our hearts and our minds to the word of God, we hear his voice and his sheep hear his voice and he knows their name and he leads us and guides us along this journey called life, which ultimately leads to forever. And so I would just ask this one question. Are you prepared for forever? Because forever is coming. Forever is imminent. To the believer, the words of Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. To which I would say, believers in the house, believers listening in, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be steadfast. He's worth it for his glory, for his mission, living for him, living with eternity in mind, honoring him with our lives, making a kingdom impact. Every believer he is gifted with heart, with passions, with gifting, with abilities. And he doesn't want anybody sitting on the sidelines. He wants them engaged in the mission of God. So stay steadfast. May we stay steadfast. And then I would say to the person who would say, you know what? If there are two categories of people, spiritually dead people and spiritually alive people, I know that I am spiritually dead because I do not have a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, God, through his word, is extending this invitation to a life-giving relationship with him. And what does he do? He moves us from death to life. Moves us from death to life. And so if that's you, I encourage you that today... You would acknowledge your need for him, repent of your sin. It's a change of thinking and trust him as your Lord because he is Lord. He's Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so amazed that in this text, confronting these spiritually blind, spiritually dead religious leaders. God, I hear in your voice and in your tone, I hear this graciousness of revealing the truth of who you are to who, who they need. That God, you are the only one who can give life and life to the full, lasting life. So God, I pray as believers, may we be stirred up and encouraged in our hearts to live a life of kingdom impact, to not be discouraged because there's plenty to be discouraged about, but rather keep our eyes focused on you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The devil paralyzes, the Holy Spirit moves us forward in freedom. So God, I pray that. And God, I pray that for anyone who may be living apart from a relationship with you, that today would be the day of saving faith. That they would not just hear your voice, but hear your voice through faith and obedience. So God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me. And as we do, just know... 
We'll have pastors here. We'd love the opportunity to pray over you. The altar is always open, but we just want you to be sensitive to whatever the Lord is leading in your life this morning.